0: Well, don't blame yourself, big guy. Blame Will. What? He should have told you when Luther stole his baseball. What baseball? What baseball? <laughs> well, a baseball game where a man would stick, hit, ball, and run.
1: Something
0: like this. Hold it!
1: Good morning, and welcome to episode 356 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from com. I am Ben Lindberg, joined as always by Sam Miller for our first show of 2014. Happy New Year, Sam.
0: Thanks, Ben. Happy New Year.
1: Thanks. Uh, You're welcome. Any catching up to do? Any banter? Uh, No. Okay. Okay. Well, your idea for the podcast today was to talk about a Bill James essay uh, that has recently been written about. And it's an essay from the the new Historical Baseball Abstract. It was not in the original Historical Baseball Abstract, was it? It's definitely.
0: I I can't imagine it was. I mean, it refers to many things that had happened in the years. (laughs) Well,
1: that would. Well, okay, it could. It could be extremely prescient then, maybe, uh, if it was written earlier than we think. But okay, so it's in the Bill James Historical Baseball Abstract. It's called Baseball 2015. And we're going to talk about some predictions Bill James makes in this essay, and then possibly make some of our own. Um, we're we're not usually big fans of, of prognosticating, but I feel like this is on a, a long enough timeline that no one expects us to be right anyway. Uh, in fact,
0: we're I would say the, the world is reasonably unlikely to exist by then.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, certainly the world and, and us.
0: Uh, we should note, just in case people aren't aware, you you said it's in the new Bill James Historical Baseball Abstract.
1: Yeah, which is that not... is
0: that is the title of it. <laughs> yes. The, the new is not an adjective. This came out in 2001, mm-hmm. which explains <laughs> the challenge of predicting what was going to happen in 2015. Otherwise, this would be confusing.
1: Yes. Uh, so Bill James starts off this essay with a a disclaimer. Uh, He says, history shows nothing more clearly than that one cannot anticipate history. This is true, I think, because many of the things that we all know turn out when put to the test to be untrue or to be true only up to a point. Then he says, having said that, four things about the future of baseball seem so obvious to me that I am willing to put them on record in a hardcover book so that the next generation of sports writers can make fun of me 20 years from now. So here we are, uh, only 13 years from then, but we are we're well, we're probably not gonna make fun of him, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about his four predictions. So
0: I have uh, a paperback too.
1: Yeah, me me too. Um, I guess we should we should mention that this this essay was recently rediscovered by Scott Lindholm at Beyond the Box Score, uh, and so now Rob Nyer has written about it, and it's sort of circulating around, which is which is interesting because it is not. In fact, 2015, it is 2014. Uh, so conceivably everything that Bill James says in this essay could still come true. And he also, uh, just from skimming it, I don't think he ever mentions 2015 in the text. It's the title of the essay, but in the actual body of it, he sort of says, like, within the next 20 years, kind of. It's a little it's a little vague about when he thinks these things are going to happen. But uh, his four things are first that baseball will eventually solve or contain the problem of economics corroding competitive balance.
0: Hang on, can I interrupt before we sure. start? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about Bill James's predictions or are we making predictions of our own or are we doing both? What is uh, this what is the agenda?
1: The agenda as laid out in the email that you sent me was both of those things. Okay. Um second prediction that baseball will eventually gain control of the problem of the ever lengthening games three that the hundred year trend of using more and more pitchers will end and complete games for the first time ever will soon become more common rather than less and four that the trend toward more strikeouts and more homers from the top of the order to the bottom will also end soon so uh if we're if we're scoring him on these predictions out of four? are we We're giving him credit for maybe 1.5? Uh,
0: uh, what's the 0.5? Are you counting the home runs as the 0.5? Yes. I wouldn't count the home runs as the 0.5, even though home runs are down because offense is down. Home runs are uh, actually, if I'm not mistaken, a more substantial portion of the offense uh, than they were, and the home run is still i mean the home run is god in baseball um in a way that hasn't changed even if you know it's harder to hit i mean it's harder to do everything now offensively but home runs are still significant
1: mm-hmm. all right so then we're giving him we're giving him a 25 percent grade
0: that's mm. right
1: we're, we're giving him the we are giving him number one that baseball Certain, will, yes, will solve or contain the problem of economics corroding competitive balance we've We've talked about this on the show how spending has not correlated to winning lately. Um, there has not been contraction of small market teams, and some some mega league of the Yankees and the other big market teams dominating everything. There's been pretty good parity, especially relative to, to some other sports. Uh, so, it as Rob Nyer wrote, it's it's debatable whether baseball has gained control of this problem or whether it happened for reasons that are outside of baseball's control. But uh, I don't know whether he's saying Major League Baseball. He's just saying baseball will solve this yeah, problem. Yeah, and, and I, it, I think it has.
0: one of his arguments is that every league, uh, you know, moves toward competitive balance. And so if, if it happened organically, then that simply, you know, sort of absolves Major League Baseball with capital MLB uh, from the need to do it. But, um, you know, so presumably they might have they might have engineered it if it would to a greater degree if necessary. Although I will say that while this is the one that I would unequivocally give him credit for, I mean, there's there's no doubt. It seems to me that um, there's a competitive balance that seems almost illogical and hard to explain, uh, Mm -hmm. given what we know about the importance of money. Um, I might actually argue that um, that. It, is, it seems more likely to me that in the—like, if we give him credit for a longer timeline than 2015, as you noted, that you mm-hmm. know, 2015 is not a date that he actually laid down necessarily, uh, I would probably bet on this one overturning before I would bet on any of the other three coming true. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it yeah. seems to me that well. this is quite possibly a— Uh, uh, just a lull and that um, Mm -hmm. in fact the structural advantage is still completely with the big market teams uh, and they just don't behave necessarily rationally
1: with Mm -hmm. it and the others uh, at least so far seem to be whiffs Uh, games are long, strikeouts are still up and uh, teams are still using more and more pitchers and starters are throwing fewer and fewer complete games um, Those trends, if anything, have accelerated rather than reversed. So, uh. What
0: was the first one? The, 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 the one before the strikeouts? Uh.
1: The, the game length. Uh.
0: The game length. Has that accelerated? Uh. I don't know. I don't know either, although it does feel like, uh. uh slowing down the game is a strategy, uh. that has picked up for certain pitchers. Um. And I don't know if I feel like the games themselves are longer overall or structurally longer, but there I didn't really know any pitchers 10 years ago who very, very deliberately and strategically um, held the ball the way that they do, um, the way that, you know, Josh Beckett does and Clay Buchholz does. And, you know, a, a handful of pitchers, most of them seemingly Red Sox related, uh, <laughs> do. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you – I mean – pace of game in any sport uh is eventually um claimed as a sort of a strategy i mean some you know you see it in you know the the run and gun offense in basketball i think is a thing and you see it in the chip reed chip kelly chip chip (laughs) chip somebody (laughs) on the eagles uh the Ducks you know the Oregon Ducks with the football right mm-hmm. um and you can't, I was thinking about whether I was just thinking a couple of days ago about whether a baseball team could do that if you uh if we'll ever see a team that speeds up the game on defense to the point where it's like there is just there's not even time to step out of the box it's just you know get the ball and throw the ball so quickly um, you know, just just right up to the to the to the edge of legality, and whether there might be some advantage to that. But in fact, it's gone the other way with with specific pitchers. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so I guess I guess maybe that's a long way of saying that yes, it's accelerated.
1: Mm-hmm. And he writes about this idea that baseball is a perfect machine, um, the the sort of cliche about how the the length between the bases hasn't changed in over a hundred years, and yet throws are still just perfectly timed so that the runner is either safer out by a, by a foot and it's so perfect and it's just divinely inspired. And, and he makes the case that this is, this is wrong. Uh, and that baseball does need to, to correct itself. He, he talks about basketball and the many rule changes that have been made in the last several decades of basketball, just sort of to, uh, to preserve what people think of as basketball uh, because teams and players are always looking for an edge or some way they can use a a loophole and that the the league needs to act in order to preserve what people think of as that sport. And at the time he was writing this, he, and and probably still the case, uh, he was making the point that baseball doesn't really have a, centralized power to the extent that it used to and that it's difficult to act what with all of the powerful unions and uh, club owners maybe not being as unified as they once were or there being more of them and many of them being corporations and all these obstacles to baseball changing. Uh, And he he posits that there will have to be some sort of crisis um, for the game to adjust that some some parties will have to relinquish their power in order to deal with this crisis and that that will make it easier to enact changes um we've we have not gotten to that crisis yet i would i would say that i am i'm still sort of a believer in in a couple of well in at least one of his predictions i think that hasn't come true yet um before i had uh, had even read the essay, and and your idea was that we would make predictions for 2030, um, which I guess is even more difficult than what than what he tried to do, uh, because we're projecting 16 years out. Yeah, um, although on
0: the other hand, we're doing it completely thoughtlessly without any effort,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> in um,
0: actual consistency, whereas he had some some integrity. Mm-hmm. So it's always harder when you have integrity. So I. I think I
1: would be willing to predict that in 2030 strikeouts will not be at an all time high. Do you think that's that's crazy? I mean, I this is. What, I do,
0: I do, I do, I do, and I I am I will say um, that I I would predict that there would be efforts taken to reverse the trend. Yes. And they will not do, they will not do so and huh. that, in fact, uh, strikeouts will continue to go up. Hmm. See, uh, I think... Um, yeah, so th- Dan Dan, Bro- Dan Brooks actually writes about this in the Baseball Prospectus Annual, uh-huh. and he, he writes wonderfully about it. It's a great, great essay, and I don't want to steal it and I don't want to give it away or anything like that. Uh, it's really great, but, I mean, one thing that y- I think that you have to appreciate about it is that strikeouts are going up because teams realize it is an optimal strategy in a mm-hmm. way that they didn't before, and meanwhile, similarly, uh, offenses realize that in this sort of weird paradoxical way that I have never really uh, gotten my head around, um, it is not a suboptimal strategy to strike out as a hitter. It's this mm-hmm. weird situation, right? Right. And so, no matter what you do to uh, change the um, you know the the sort of environment that allows strikeouts it is not going to be less the case that teams are going to have an incentive to get as many strikeouts as they possibly can and so the game will change however it needs to uh, around the new set of rules but it will be moving it will always be moving consistently toward the optimal strategy so uh so i don't i don't think it's i don't think you can necessarily stop I'm, i'm now to the point where i don't think you can actually necessarily stop strikeouts from going up uh, without changing the way that baseball looks dramatically, and that in fact many of the things that you might think of would uh, would actually increase strikeouts. So, uh, so I will I will take the under on you. Whatever you are worth, I am taking the under.
1: All right. I'm well, short
0: selling Ben Lindbergh.
1: Well, let me ask you this then. I guess uh, 2013 was an all time high in strikeout rate. 2012 was an all-time high, 2011 and 2010 and 2009, all the way back to 2007, uh, each of those was an all-time high. So it has been increasing. Uh, It has not increased every year throughout baseball history, but steadily increasing. So if we're we're projecting 16 years out and you do not foresee a reversal of this trend, where will the league strikeout rate be by then?
0: Uh,
1: twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well per for nine. Per nine. Yeah, uh, that's not a percentage. That is <laughs> no. That... <laughs> I, I I don't
0: think it. I don't. I think that the league will strike out a batter per inning by then.
1: Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That,
0: does, that doesn't strike me as that doesn't strike me as absurd, and I don't think it would even. I I don't think it would even look all that different. From what we have now.
1: Yeah, you you might be right. I mean, that would have to be
0: a... I mean, already, the, the league does strike out uh, a batter per inning after the sixth, more or less, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they certainly didn't 15 years ago. And it's not like we think, you know... It's not like after the seventh inning stretch, we all turn it off because it doesn't look like baseball anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, I think... I don't know. I think that at some point it will. I, at some point it will. I don't know whether it'll reverse. the The trend will always be towards more, but I feel like at some point there will be an adjustment, uh, and it will continue to rise from whatever level that it that it goes to after that adjustment. But I, I think, I think, I don't know. I don't know whether it will be by then or not. But at some point, at some point, you're going to get to to a crisis level right? And we've talked about where that is And neither of us thinks that we're there yet But if uh, if Strikeouts rise and rise and rise And maybe Maybe defense is more optimal And better positioning and all those things And you just get Not only less contact But, but fewer hits on balls in play um, At some point Baseball would become pretty boring And at that point I would think that something would be done.
0: You would think that. I would. Uh, I look forward to everybody reading Dan's essay. It's really great. It's yeah. really good. It's really I
1: haven't good. read it yet. I am looking forward to it.
0: Mm. Uh, all right.
1: Um, the the game length, I, I don't know. Uh, clearly there is a point at which game length would just break baseball, right? I mean, the, the longer and longer it is, presumably the – the fewer people are willing to sit and watch it, um, so I don't, I don't know it whether. Depends.
0: Yeah, it partly though depends on uh, maybe maybe it depends on why it's getting longer. If it's getting longer because there are more commercials, uh, then arguably you don't need as many people to watch it, right? Arguably you're right. getting more you're getting more revenue per game. Maybe now I don't I don't know that the. Uh, the
1: for the league yeah. to to continue to exist I suppose although it, it would it would become more of a
0: Yeah, well, I mean attendance you'd, you'd is
1: would get less and less revenue, right? Because there would be fewer people watching, so yeah. you have more ads and they'd be you'd be making less money from them.
0: Yeah, but I mean attendance is is you know clear is is way 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 beyond <laughs> record levels at this mm-hmm. point, right? Compared to where it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago and certainly 50 years ago when it was a faster game. So um, you know that this has not been a, an existential threat to the game. It would have to be something I would think really crazy. And to me, the the trend is not necessarily uh, to the kind of consuming public turning away from things that are longer. I mean, if you look at the way that people watch TV now, um, where they binge watch shows for you know an entire day because they just can't get enough long mire in their lives. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know that that's uh, people people like to sit and do nothing. I mean, it's it's also um, with uh, well, I don't know. I mean, basketball games are not significantly shorter; they're like two and a half hours a game, and um, football games are longer than baseball games. People like football, and not only do they like football, but they sit there and watch it. You know, three games in a row, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the type of people who but watch sports.
1: So many fewer games, and they mean so much more.
0: And yet, like baseball's really popular. Like none of these things are like gonna be less true. I mean, th- it's not as though we're trying to figure out a way to stem the loss of popularity in in you know in the sport. It's really successful.
1: Yeah, uh, market market share wise, it's I mean. There are, you know, I mean, 1950. There were 150 million Americans, so there uh-huh. are many more Americans now who could potentially know, it, be watching baseball. So, uh,
0: right, clearly, the billionaires would rather have extra billions if they could, mm-hmm. but they're getting billions. Like they're like this is a tremendously successful sport. They're all making insane amounts of money on their franchises mm-hmm. uh, because of you know how much more valuable they are than they used to be. I mean, look at I mean, you, people will argue that it's a bubble, the TV contract bubble, but you could also argue that TV contracts are insanely valuable right now, Mm -hmm. um, for a reason. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it just does not feel like this is a problem that needs to be solved at this point. It might be, but I mean, I think if there's, if there's any point that, um, baseball gets sped up, uh, it would be. Probably in response—well, uh, I don't even know. This, this would probably be small beans. But, I mean, if if the Josh Beckett sort of strategy uh, annoys players enough and becomes successful enough, uh, it will be kind of taken care of in either unwritten rules or written rules in response to the sort of gameplay aspect of it. I have a hard time seeing a imminent change in, in the way the sport is managed— for uh, you know, for for time reasons that would knock off more than two minutes a game.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wonder. It'll be interesting to see what happens to game length with instant replay next season, and whether whether that leads to any sort of significant increase, and whether that increases the momentum behind changing things. Because there, it's not one of these like the strikeout rate problem is pretty tough to solve. Because, uh, as you say, it it makes sense for teams to pursue people who strike out a lot and strike out people a lot. So it's hard to con- curtail that. Uh, whereas shortening the game, there are more approaches to it at least. Um,
0: there are Bill James
1: are. lays out like six of them or something in his in his essay.
0: Um, yeah, but I mean the two main ways are to speed up the the rate that players play, mm-hmm. and to cut commercials and players don't want to speed up the way that they play and it's their game and they have a lot of power and they probably should have a lot of power. Um, There's never really been an effective um, attempt to get players to speed up regularly and umpires haven't even attempted to enforce it in my lifetime. So um, you wouldn't think that that's going to change. And then the commercial aspect of it, um, I mean, that is never going to change. I mean, if they can get more money selling commercials, they will. I mean, the only argument that, you could really see is that they would think that cutting one commercial would actually increase revenue somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are, you know, there are scenarios you could imagine that and maybe that's where the nine minutes, um, comes from ultimately. But, um, that doesn't seem to be like a commonly held belief. The other thing is that even if games are long and boring and we have short attention spans, we also have so many more ways to distract ourselves during games like Mm -hmm. you know in a way that 15 years ago you couldn't you can navigate away from the commercials when they happen you can look at your phone while you're sitting in the park for three hours you were not divorced from reality for three hours Mm -hmm. uh and so probably in to some degree uh the consumer has a lot more patience with a three-hour uh game now than they would have 10 years ago Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, all right I mean
0: this podcast just keeps getting longer and longer
1: <laughs> Yeah, You're right By 2030 we'll probably have Gone back to 12-minute shows Would you predict that? Mm, that's nice <laughs> um, All right So uh, So then you are not a believer in Are you a believer in, in His third prediction That the trend of using more and more pictures Will reverse itself?
0: Of course not. No, I'm, I'm gonna just be completely negative about this whole topic. Uh, no, I mean, I think it's it seems it seems clear. Eh, I don't know. I don't want to. I'm very hesitant to say things like it seems clear since he started his essay with <laughs> some things are so, so obvious. obvious. <laughs> right. But I I would imagine if I were to to imagine anything, it would actually be that we would start seeing looking at guys like you know uh, Jose Fernandez and. And, uh, you know, the, all the young pitchers who come up and are great immediately, I would actually expect to see a lot younger average pitcher and, uh, throwing a lot fewer innings in their starts. I would imagine that the, uh, that the idea of a horse could, um, could, it, I don't want to say it's going to go away because I don't think it will. I think we'll always have the Roy Halliday, the Justin Verlander, the guy who pitches into the eighth or the ninth. I think we'll quit treating every starting pitcher like he's supposed to be that though like there's only one way to be a starting pitcher Mm -hmm. and certain starting pitchers who have certain repertoires will be used more effectively in a short bursts starting role and young pitchers who have more fragile arms and who uh, they want to keep on certain innings limits throughout the year without giving them up for the postseason uh, we would see in shorter bursts and you know pitchers who bounce back better might pitch differently than pitchers who need an extra day of rest and pitchers who have different repertoires would have different um, expectations put on them. And so I think that if anything, I I don't think that I'm ready to predict that in 15 years we're going to have the uh, all reliever pitching staff or Mm -hmm. anything of the sort or even like the Rockies tandem thing. Mm. I'm not ready to predict that, but I do think that we will have a a much more varied model of a starting pitcher that will actually increase um, short outings and increase the number of relievers that are necessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else you got? So my predictions. I got three. Mm -hmm. Do you have any predictions? Yeah. All right. So I predict that there will be no significant record broken in the next 15 years. Huh. No, and, I, I mean, you can argue about what I mean by significant, mm-hmm. but no famous record, no record that, like, uh, you know, the 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 75th or 80th percentile fan is aware of, mm-hmm. uh, single season or career will be broken in the next 15 years.
1: Well, I guess that makes sense. You're not likely to see someone hit as many home runs as Barry Bonds. You're not likely to see a really long hitting streak. Uh, what else is famous?
0: Well, yeah, and nobody's really nobody's, seen, nobody's really close to any at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody's really been challenging any for a, a few, you know, for the last 6 or 7 years on a, a single season basis, but more than anything, I I tend to think that a lot of the uh 90s and early 2000s were the were a post expansion thing and by diluting the player pool the best players have more extreme performances mm. and um you know that's why when when people go oh well I mean of course Barry Bonds was on steroids. Look how good his numbers are. But, you know, Greg Maddox's numbers were basically just as good um, from a pitching perspective. And Pedro's were basically just as good from a pitching perspective. And um, so I, I've always thought that it's much more a matter of uh, the league growing um, the way that it did. And unless there's imminent expansion in the next few years, I just don't think you're going to see any extreme performances in that way. I mean, nobody is pitching. Right now, There's for the last eight years, nine years, nobody has pitched anywhere close to the way that Maddox did or Randy Johnson did or Roger Clemens did or Pedro did. I mean, nothing remotely like those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not really, it doesn't seem to be on the way or imminent in any way. The closest thing to uh, Barry Bond's performances is Mike Trout. But I mean, the extreme performances that we're seeing right now, they don't tend to be extreme, um, like kind of on the most basic level, they're extreme for the, the age, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, look how incredible he is for a 20 year old. Look how incredible he is for a 42 year old. Um, and, uh, but, but you don't have anybody whose numbers like stand up to even like what Jeff Bagwell's numbers were like, or what Frank Thomas's numbers were like, or what, um, you know, like, uh, I think Jim Tomey had like a 700 slugging percentage one year. I mean, they're just, Sort of was this period where insane things were happening, and I don't, I just don't think that's happening right now. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two is uh, that there will actually be more injuries, or roughly. Roughly the same number of injuries. Yeah. I've, I've come to, I've, for the last ten years, we've been hearing how like the next thing yes. in sabermetrics <laughs> is managing injuries, and 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 like oh well, we're gonna you know like this is this, like this is gonna be something that's gonna get cracked somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. But I've actually come to believe that injuries are an equilibrium, and that anything you do to uh, to prevent injuries will just make players uh, play more. Uh, you know, in a riskier way to reach that equilibrium. Like, I tend to believe that injuries happen at a uh, kind of a risk management advised rate. And uh, they, I mean, you, so that's sort of a, like a kind of a weird <laughs> that I'm just saying right now and haven't really thought about it. So don't mm-hmm. hold me to that. But I will say <laughs> that if you watch baseball players right now, they are playing so hard. Compared to what they used to, I mean, they do everything so much harder. Like, these guys are mm-hmm. so much stronger, faster. They're swinging harder with so much more torque. They slide so much harder. They run into things so much harder. And to, to some degree, we don't notice this because there, there used to be kind of more, it seems like there used to be more player on player violence in the old days. Um, but, um, but I mean, they're just injuring themselves, just running. They're just running so hard that they injure themselves. They cannot, Mm -hmm. uh, stop themselves from being hurt.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, there's this, uh, there's this idea and I, I, I would call it a myth, but I, I guess I don't know for sure that it's a myth, but this, this idea that baseball players hurt themselves more because they're better conditioned, like, you often hear people say, oh, all these players get oblique strains because they're, like, wound up so tight or something. Like, they they have low body fat. Like, players back in the old days didn't have those muscles, so they couldn't pull them. That sort of weird mm-hmm. idea, um, which I, I don't think there's really any truth to that. But uh, it is true, I guess, that if you are better conditioned, you are... Exerting more force when you do things, and and bodies are still just as breakable as they used to be. Um, so the the collisions and impacts are are more damaging. And yeah, that was that was I was I was sort of toying with making that one of mine too, because it would be easy to say that oh, in the next fifteen years there will be this biomechanical revolution, and I think of, there
0: will be too. Yeah, like I, I actually think that will happen.
1: Right and that you know all the all the dangerous windups and deliveries will be weeded out at an early age or players will be taught not to throw like that and you'll you won't see Tommy John surgeries anymore and that sort of thing but uh i kind of wonder whether pitchers are just getting stronger and throwing harder and that that will kind of balance out any any gains there i guess maybe you'd You'd see faster recovery times, but I don't know whether the the injury rates will really decrease dramatically. Um, So yeah, I'm kind of with you on that.
0: All right, and my last one, I'm not sure about this one, but um, I could see managers um, either being, well, I could sort of see managers in a weird way becoming irrelevant because as like a weird secondary effect of of replay. um, There's a way that I feel like managers' significance to the game gets defined by the image of them on the field yelling at the umpire. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is part of... This is, like, their cultural... Uh, their their sort of cultural um, cachet, kind of. Like, this is how they show how important they are. And it's not explicit, and it's not necessary, and I don't even think it's something that we kind of realize we're, we're judging the managers on, And yet I do think that like there is this um, you know over the years of seeing these you know lions of the game go out and assert their authority on the field of play. That's what's significant probably is that it's on the field of play and that it's extended and that all the attention is on them Um, that um, that it has created the idea of the manager as significant you know lion and. I actually, I mean, I'm not trying to argue that managers are not significant, but I could see this um, sort of chipping away at how much we look at them and how much we um, project onto them. And basically in 15 years, having them just be very kind of faceless in a way that they're not now, like, I guess I guess if I were going to make this prediction more specific, I might say something like, there will never be a manager who achieves the sort of celebrity that Tony La Russa, Joe Torre and Bobby Cox did upon, you know, retiring a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Something like that. Or the flip side is because GMs have become the sort of stars of the team and the face of the team's management. I could actually see the manager GM, um, uh, like manager, like Socha, for instance, who was he had his hands in a lot of personnel decisions. I could see a guy like Socha just making it explicit and being the GM as well as the manager, uh-huh. and having and having this trend toward baseball men GM slash manager uh, jointly held positions. Yeah, and Bobby which, Cox, you know, Bobby Cox was a GM thing for right. a while. And
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I could I could see that. And I yeah, and I also think the the stuff that I've written about sort of taking the taking some of the tactics out of the manager's hand and shifting it towards the front office, which sort of seems to be happening could also contribute to that. Um, But yeah, I I guess I'm with you there. Uh, I, I think, I hope that by 2030, we will not be having the the DH argument anymore because (laughs) I hope because, because there will be a, a DH in both leagues. I think, By the time we get to 2030, uh, to be old enough to feel nostalgia for pitchers hitting, I uh, think—well, I guess you could—I don't know whether National League fans growing up now have the same fondness for pitcher hitting that, say, someone who was born in 1960 and was like a teenager when when the DH came in would— Have because pitchers just can't hit now at all, and it's really it's tiresome to watch them try. I think. I mean, they're
0: much worse than they used to be. Much,
1: much, much worse. That's not an irrelevant
0: consideration. I mean, they.
1: It's it's getting to the point where when I I mean when I'm watching a National League game and I see a pitcher come up, it it almost ruins it for me. Like if there's a rally going on and you know, you just see the eighth place hitter walked and then the pitcher comes up and it's almost an automatic out and it's not fun. Um, and it feels almost like a formality at this point. And that trend has been ongoing for many decades now. It will probably continue. So by that point, pitchers will be even more inept at the plate than they are now relative to actual hitters. Uh, and I, and the, the fact that, that the NL plays the the AL throughout the season now. And by the time 2030 comes along, you will have to have, you know, you'll have to be 70 years old to remember a time before the DH. Um, I think by that point, I hope it will, it will be gone. Um, I just, yeah, go ahead.
0: The other day I was uh, watching a football game and I, uh, I just, had this image of like what if both teams had to have a seven-year-old on the field at all times like that was one of the rules is like you had to have or maybe just the offense because if you had one on each side then the seven-year-olds would just guard each other off in the corner Mm -hmm. but if if only like if the offense had to have a Mm seven-year-old one of their 11 guys and I was like oh I'm gonna tweet this and I was like what why would I that doesn't make any sense and I wouldn't have said anything about it, except I realized that's what pitchers hitting is. <laughs> Pretty
1: much, yeah. Uh, and I I sympathize. I like the idea of two-way players. I would love for there to be two-way players who are actually good at, at both things, but it's just it's not really possible now.
0: Um, hey, do you think we'll ever have another... F- player who plays in the NFL and the major leagues at the same time. How come that was such a thing for so long? And then it just stopped being a thing.
1: Uh, I don't know. Is it because the money is so great now? that I don't know.
0: They were life-changing rich at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. whether. I mean, I guess if competition is in the level of play is constantly increasing in both sports, then it becomes more and more difficult for someone to be good enough to do both. Um, but yeah. Uh, and I, I think, uh, by 2030 we will see some sort of computerized strike zone. There will still be umpires there always I think have to be umpires and that seems to be the when people say oh robot umps uh, get rid of the umpires there doesn't really seem to be a way to get rid of them even if you wanted to you still sort of have to have a home plate umpire even if he's not calling balls and strikes just to like rule on plays at the plate and foul tips and various other things not even connected to, to balls and strikes. Um, or you know to make sure that the hitter is in the batter's box and the catcher is not or whatever all of those things and to monitor. You don't need uh, it. No,
0: you don't need any of those things. Ultimately, you need them as a as an intermediate step. You don't. You uh, couldn't skip to those things. But in a hundred years. Yeah. It, it's not hard to right. imagine in a hundred years there's sure. no on field personnel. In a hundred
1: years you could probably have a robot that can do anything that a human can do. So um so yes but I think. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't think it will happen within the next few years, but I think if, if instant replay goes okay and people get used to that, um, and I do predict that we will have a new commissioner by 2030. It's, I'm kind of going out on a limb there. Um, but I I think that by that point we'll have been watching pitch effects, strike zone displays on our TVs for 20 years. Um, and it would be, it would be surprising to me if there weren't at least some sort of aid, like the umpire's helmet has a light that flashes, or a, he's holding a buzzer that goes off when there's a strike, or something like that. He might still signal for for balls and strikes, but uh, it won't just be pure human judgment. I mean, it's already, umpires are already using pitch effects based systems. They're being graded after every game by pitch FX based systems, and it's, it seems a little silly. I think you still need them there as sort of a, a fail-safe uh, because there are pitches that are just missed by the system every now and then, but if you are grading umpires based on how closely they align with this system, then at some point, I feel like you're probably just going to cut out the middleman or at least minimize his role and make the system the thing that rules on on those calls. So... Um, it it might be it might take longer than that I don't know but I think it's it's coming um,
0: I'm a little sad that you're not on my my get rid of the strike zone completely
1: team <laughs> I don't see that happening by 2030 maybe maybe 2035 um, and I don't know there there are lots of other things I mean we're we're talking about big sweeping changes um i mean by 2030 mike trout will probably have won an mvp award i think uh the the blue ribbon commission on the a's ballpark will still be deliberating getting closer to an answer um but i don't know i i think you'll uh maybe you'll see more more diversity in hiring in certain roles i would I would think that by 2030 there there will be a female general manager at least. It would surprise me if there wasn't. Um, I don't know whether you'll see a a manager who doesn't have a playing background, but that's also a possibility. Um, but I don't know. Uh, those are those are mine, I guess. There won't be any more draft pick compensation. Maybe we'll finally get rid of that. And no more no more 40 man rosters or no more expanded September rosters.
0: That seems reasonable. Yeah. Although that's who's uh, the union's got to love that though, and nobody's that opposed to it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. People
0: are sort of people are tepidly opposed to it, (laughs) but I would think the union would be dramatically in favor of it. Hmm. Yeah. You have a you have a passion problem here. You have a a passion imbalance.
1: Uh, Yeah, you're right. Uh. Yeah. Although I don't know, those don't lead to permanent jobs really it's just 30 days of major league meal money which and and salary which i guess is significant so yeah i don't know you hear GMs sort of whining about it every year um but so far no one yeah. has done anything
0: yeah it's, it's only eighty thousand dollars for a month's work for people who had otherwise been working for eight thousand dollars a year
1: <laughs> right um raul abanez will have retired <laughs>
0: Did you write these down, or are you making these (laughs) awesome jokes up as you go? (laughs) Aren't
1: they great? (laughs) All right. Is that it? Yeah. Our crystal balls are empty.
0: Oh, uh, so is our emails, by the way. Oh,
1: yeah. Tomorrow's an email show. It's been a holiday week, so we haven't been getting the, the usual volume of emails, so... If you're listening to this in time to send us something by late Thursday night when we re- will record Friday's listener email show, please send us some emails at podcast at com and we will be back for that.